You're listening to a message from Stonegate Church in Midlothian, Texas. For more information about Stonegate and additional audio resources, visit stonegate-church.com. All right. Um, have have over the last week as I prepared to 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 preach have heard a couple stories and one one of the, one of the funny stories that didn't make me feel any better is that and Rodney has said this several times that it takes about a hundred sermons before you really kind of get your get your voice about you kind of get your feet under you till you, till you feel comfortable and so I start doing the math um, Dan Hutchins has has let me teach upstairs and cultivate with the middle school uh, kids three times and I did the first service today so that's four so and I preach follow me here I preach once a year. So in 130 years, I'm going to be on my A game. So come back. <laughs> come, come back and join me. I'll have it all down. Um, this, it's, it's been good for me, though. This week has been good for me. It's really showed me a, 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 few, a few things. Um, uh, like I said, I've, I've asked advice. I had one guy. I didn't ask him, but he gave me advice to, to really work on your voice inflection. Right? And I'm like, dude, I can't even get two coherent sentences back to back. And you're telling me to work on my, my voice inflection. Here's the, here's the advice Rodney gave me. And at the time, I, wanted, I, I thought I was going to punch him. But now I'm good with this advice. He said, big picture, you need to be okay with going up there and absolutely bombing. Knowing that your righteousness, that your, that your worth is not dependent on how you do on, on a Sunday morning. And at the time, I'm like, oh, I'm going to... Now I'm like, praise God. It's really, really good advice. <laughs> praise God. So... Um, yeah, and, and here's, a, here's another thing that, that I just thought to take two seconds this morning and that, that, we, could, that we could praise God for, um, for, for God bringing Stonegate, Rodney, um, and then not just Rodney, but, but Dan and Casey, that we, man, we've got three people that on any given Sunday do, can, really, can really teach and really preach, right? And so to, to take a second to, to praise God, I, I'm, I've, I was at Stonegate as a, I mean, I was in this family before I came on staff. So I don't look at myself as like someone on staff that also goes as a part of this. I was a part of this family. This is my family. You're my family. We are family. And I just happen to be on staff. So I, I can sit and praise God and thank, thank the Lord that he brought us three guys that really do a great job on Sunday mornings teaching and preaching. So all that to say, it's, it's, it's really difficult, it's really hard, and God has gifted um, us as a, as a family with, with three guys that do a phenomenal job. So, okay, here's my goal this morning. My, my main goal is I want to take us all, I want us all to go together, and I want to go to the cross. I want to get to the point where we see really clearly and, 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 and really vividly the cross and what Christ did on the cross for us. And I want to do that by, by kind of backtracking and going and looking at the Pharisees and kind of looking at their life, kind, kind of a flyover of their life and to kind of see their theology, to see how, what they believe, get, just get a feel for the Pharisees, see that we also are, can be like a Pharisee. We, can, we have that bent in us if we're not careful. Um, and I want to talk about some things that produces in us and then three, three ways we get there and, and, and lead us to the cross. Um, and so before we get going, I just want to, I want to, I want to drive home the point that we all, if we're not careful, have, have a bent towards 
the ditch of, of, of being a Pharisee. Like, when I'm driving my car, I've got a little Toyota Camry, and when I'm driving my car, if I don't guard, if I don't guard the steering wheel, if I let go of the steering wheel, it's, I'm going to slowly start to go in, into a ditch if I'm not careful. And I think our hearts are like that. I think if we don't guard the hearts, our hearts, that we slowly, if not, if not careful, if not guarding, we slowly go into the ditch of, of Pharisaical thinking. And so I want us to all just say, this, this could be me. This could be me. All right. Here we go. We're starting in verse 1. We're going to go to start with verses 1 through 6. Then the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, And why do you break the commandments of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or mother, what you, what you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. And so here's what I want to see. That the, that the, that the Pharisees, this is the theology of the Pharisees. The theology of the Pharisees is, it's all about uh, doing, it's all about working, it's all about earning favor from, um, significance from, acceptance from God. It's all about working towards God. And, and, and then beyond that, they're always on the surface. Everything they do, everything they talk about, everything, they see everything on the surface. It's all exterior. It's all about behavior. And Jesus's theology is going to be the opposite. It's going to be about not working, but trusting. And then he's going to talk a lot about, um, the heart and motivations Right and beliefs, and so we have two theologies that are going to collide and crash. Okay, and this is the first. This is the first collision here, and so the Pharisees are holding on to traditions as as essentials, and Jesus comes and says, "You guys are holding on so tightly to these traditions, and yet I'm not. I'm, I'm not in the picture. God is nowhere to be found. Like you're holding on to this, and you're forgetting the main thing. You're forgetting God." And, and don't we do that? Don't we do that? Um, specifically Sunday mornings. How, how often do we come in? How often is it, is it just tradition? How often is, what do you do on Sunday morning? Well, we go to church. Why do you go to church? I don't know, Sunday morning, let's go. Right? How often do we hold to the tradition of getting in here weekly? Which is a good thing. We get in here, we're making it to church, and yet we leave God behind. God is, Jesus is nowhere to be found. So we come in here and we do our thing. We check it off, right? We do our good deed, all trying to earn some, just, it's just some weird game that we play of trying to earn favor, trying to check off a box. So, so, so we do it. We're probably all guilty of it at some point where it's just tradition. We just come to church. I did not grow up in a Christian home. Uh, God saved me after college when I was 25. My college roommate, my best, my best friend in college, um, did grow up in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in the church. And so um, my freshman year, in the spring of my freshman year, I was introduced to the concept of Lent. Okay, so my, my roommate comes, comes in one spring uh, morning and says, I'm going to give up Copenhagen for Lent. And so I had no clue what Lent was. I'm thinking, this dude's going to stop dipping Copenhagen, which it's not good for you, but he's going to stop dipping Copenhagen and start dipping Lent. That makes no sense. <laughs> so, so, so after he explained it to me, 
Um, I got the idea. And, and this is all hindsight. I had no clue back then. This is all hindsight. I would look back at, at many of my, my buddies in college, many of my teammates in college, and, and they, they, they followed this tradition, and, and they, they, would give up, they would give up soda. Quick side note, I said pop. I'm from Kansas. I said pop, P-O-P in the first service. My wife, like, sprints toward me after I'm done. She's like, you can't say pop. Everyone thought you said pot. <laughs> so many of my many of my buddies gave up soda, um, Copenhagen. Some might have gave up pot too. They they gave these things up n- not as a not with the mindset of I'm going to give this up so I can get more of Jesus, so Jesus can be bigger in my life. I'm going to give these things up and, and and really just pound my flesh so I can get more of Jesus. They gave up these things because that's what you do in the spring. Because that's what you do around the, that season. They gave up those things thinking that's what I do. And one of the greatest ways to earn favor and blessing from God is you, you give up something. Even though you recognize that God is not nowhere in the picture. Right? This is how it plays out in my life. Um, I've got two boys. They're 10 and 8. And so we do devotions most, most every night. Sometime after dinner and, and before bed. So I, I always holler at the boys. Hey, let's go do our devotion. And we go into my room and just kind of lounge on the bed. We've got a queen side bed. We just kind of lounge around and, and, and um, do a devotion. So about a month and a half ago, um, we're, we're, we're going through just like, I think I did like a 10-day series of what it looks like to be a godly man. What it looks like to be a man of God. So I'm going through this with my boys. So I call them in on this particular night. And on, on that night, we're going to talk about the tongue. We're going to talk about controlling the tongue. If you've got a 10-year-old or an 8-year-old, you, you know that controlling the tongue can be a big deal, right? If you have infants in here, let me give you a word of advice. Get rid of sarcasm. Because it might be funny now, but when he gets 10, he's going to... He's going to learn sarcasm, and he's going to use it on you, and you're going to want to strangle him. So get rid of sarcasm. So um, they're, 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 we're talking about the tongue. We're going to go through James 2, where it says, tame, talking about taming the tongue. Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome tongue come out of your mouth. And then we're going to end on Matthew 12.34, where we talk about out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we, 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 we get settled, and uh, my eight-year-old Cooper is next to me, and he's laying on the bed, and he's pointed the opposite. His back is to me, and I just, I just had this sense that I think the guy's asleep. I think he's asleep. And I look down at the end of the bed, my 10-year-old, who's really high energy, he's like laying on his back with his feet up in the air, and he's got a sock, and he's like trying to dribble the sock like a seal. So I'm like, all right, Coop, I pop Coop. Coop, wake up. Trevor, let's go. Put, put the sock down, right? So I kind of get in my coach mode. I'm like, let's lock in here. Let's, let's hook it up and let's get after this. You guys ready? Let's go. So I go through James and, and obviously it's the greatest devotion they've ever done. I go through Ephesians 4.29 and, and all of a sudden Cooper is reaching over, looking back to me, messing with our lamp, just unscrewing a lamp. I look down and Trevor has got, done away with the sock. He's got a wood slat that's broken off our bed about that big and about thick. And he's trying to juggle a wood slat. And I snap. Like, this, do they know your, their salvation depends on this one devotion, right? So I, I snap. 
And when I snap, generally I don't throw things. Generally I don't raise my voice. Generally my snap is like just under the surface, just boiling, and I'll cut with my tongue. Right? I'll just cut people with my tongue. And so I, I'm, I'm cutting my kids down. I'm making sure they know that this is stinking important and you better do this. Right? This is our tradition. This is when we do it. This is how we do it. You sit there and you shut up. Right? I'm just, I'm, I'm, my tongue is cutting them. And it hits me that I'm holding so tightly to this tradition that, and I leave, I leave Jesus out of it. Like, my heart was not to stop doing that. Please stop doing that. This is important. My heart was not there. My heart was like, you're messing with my tradition right now. You're messing with what I think is really important. And, and I'm going to cut you with my tongue. Let alone we were talking about not using the tongue as a, as a, as a weapon. And so the, the point is that, that traditions are good. But when you leave Jesus out of them, they always go bad. They always go bad. You, you can't earn your way. You can't do enough good things. You can't uphold enough traditions to, to earn your way to, to God and, and be acceptable to, to God. So let's go uh, verse 7 through 9 now. Um, Matthew 7 and 9. Matthew 15, 7 through 9. I think right now we see Jesus is angry. I think, I think this is a good, clear indication that Jesus' theology and the Pharisees' theology are butting heads and he's, he's angry. So in verse says, 7, it says, You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So I think we all have a, just kind of a vague, pretty decent idea of what a, what a hypocrite is. I think Jesus nails it in verse 8. I think Jesus gives a great definition in the spiritual context of what a hypocrite is. It's this people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And this is, isn't this us at times? Isn't this us that, um, that we will talk about seeking the lost that we will talk about the desire to see the lost come to know Jesus. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll say this in our home group. Or we'll talk about this with other believers. And our heart has no desire to seek the lost. We have a hard heart. Or we talk about prayer, the need for more prayer. We've got to be, and, and a lot of times, because we know how to act, we'll even stir up some excitement to try to sell it. Knowing that inside our heart is hard and that our heart is far from, far from God. Um, I confess that over the last year since I've been on staff, that I have had to repent several times. That I will sit with a group of, of men or sit with a group um, doing some teaching or some training. And I'm going to talk good gospel truths. Out of my mouth just come truth, good gospel truths. And inside my heart's, my heart's heart. My heart had become calloused and, and, and had to repent of that. Matthew 25 gives us a, kind of another picture of, of this hypocrisy. And it says, they do all their deeds to be seen by others. Or in Matthew 6, he says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. And so the question to ask is, is why do you serve? Why do you serve? Do you serve because it's going to earn you favor from man or from God? Why, 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 um, why do you serve on a Sunday morning? And, and here's, here's what we do. Man, we can be really, really good. We, 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 in our heart, deep down, we know that we're serving for man. Or we know we're serving to earn God's approval. And we're not serving be- because we're fully loved by God and we want to glorify Him and we want to honor Him. 
and, and we'll even go to the point where we, we, we like walk around and we'll serve in kind of this humble, just this humble posture and kind of give the posture that, that I, I don't know, I don't want any praise. I'm good. But knowing inside our heart, we, we want, we want to see, we want to be seen by others. We want to see, be seen by man. And this, this is, this is stinking tiring. When you put up a front, when there's, when you feel like you have to, to, with your lips, talk things of God. And when you have to put up this front, like you're serving for God, it gets really, really tiring. And there's no amount of things you can say or no amount of things you can do that's going to earn acceptance from God, that's going to get you more of, of God. All right, verse 10 through 14. I'm going to continue on this trend. And he called the people to him and said to them. So um, real briefly, we're not sure if, I'm not sure if the Pharisees are, are in this, but he's definitely referencing the Pharisees. We're not sure where they've gone, but he definitely, as he goes, goes on to talk, is referencing um, the Pharisees. Hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. So the Pharisees see things very black and white in these terms. If you drink, and what you drink is defiled, you therefore are defiled. If you drink and it's not defiled, then, then you're not defiled. They see very, very surface. If you, if, you, if you eat, you're defiled. It's all outside. And Jesus comes in and says, no, 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 that's, that's not it. Jesus says, that's not it. Jesus says something like, I know that you've never had an extramarital affair, but you have hardcore lust in your heart. I know that you have not vocally slandered your neighbor or your friend or someone in your home group, but you have stored up bitterness towards them. Right? I know you've not snapped in anger. I know you haven't said anything. I know you haven't cussed in your anger. But, but inside your heart is hard because you're, because you're holding grudges, because you have anger in your heart. And so Jesus flips this upside down. The, the Pharisees, once again, are, everything's on the surface. And Jesus said, no, I, I, I want obedience, but I want a certain kind of obedience. I want obedience from, from, from a good heart. I want heart-level obedience. Listen to what Tulian Tavijan says. If any kind of obedience, regardless of what motivates it, is what God is after, he would have showcased the Pharisees and exhorted all of, all of us to follow their lead, to imitate them, but he didn't. Jesus called them whitewashed tombs, clean on the outside, dead on the inside. They had been successful in achieving behavioristic righteousness and thought that's what mattered most to God. So it's not that Jesus doesn't want obedience. He does want obedience. He just wants obedience that comes from a heart that is in love with him. He doesn't just primarily want white-knuckled obedience, surface obedience. He wants obedience that comes from a heart that, that, that loves him, that has affections for him, that desires him. And, and here's, here's the caution. Okay, here's the caution. Don't walk away thinking, if, if I don't, I guess if my motivations aren't right, if I don't feel like it, then I just don't obey. Right? So if I don't feel like it, then I don't have to obey. That's not what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. Here's, here's a good thing to remember. If, if obedience is in question, if you don't feel like obeying, if you don't feel and don't have affections and a heart for obedience, 
you do two things. First, that should, that should give you a red flag. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. When you don't feel, when you don't have a heart, when you don't have a desire to run after God, something's wrong. Okay, so we do two things. The first thing, when we see that neon sign, something's going on here, is you repent. You repent for not having a heart for God. You, you cry out to Him. You pray to Him. I want a desire to obey you. Please give me this desire. Right? So the first thing you do is repent. The next thing you do is obey. So you're not off the hook. You don't just say, well, I don't feel like it, so I'm not doing it. My motivations are all right, so I'm not going to do it. I don't have affections for Jesus, so I'm not going to do it. If you're a believer in here, that should be a red, red flag. And you need to repent for that and beg God to give you an affection for him. Beg him that your desires would be the desi- things that he desires. And then you obey. Okay? All right. Last five verses we're going to walk through. Verse... 15, but Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. And he said, are you, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the summit and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adult, ad, murder adultery, sexual immorality. I can read, by the way, okay? Ad, adultery, sexual immorality, theft. False witness, slander, these are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. So Jesus is going to nail the stick down, and he's going to drive it home one last time, and he's going to talk about our primary, primary problem is not our behavior. Our primary problem is our heart, is our beliefs. Right? So if you're single in here, and, and you, you are just, you want a spouse so bad, you can taste it. You want a spouse so bad that, that you're in a funk. Like you are depressed. Like things are not well. Like I want to get married so bad that I'm in, I'm in this, 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 this valley of despair. Your problem is not not having a spouse. Your problem is your heart. Your, your problem is that you don't trust God, that he's in total control. If, if someone criticizes you, Someone criticized you, and it's, it's not just a body blow. Like, when someone criticizes you, it probably should hurt a little bit. Like, there should probably be some sting. But when someone criticizes you, and it's like a knockout punch, like, it, it knocks you down for weeks, like, it consumes you, your problem is not that someone criticized you. Your problem is that you think way too highly of, 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 of man. You think way too... You have put God slightly elevated, or, or a lot elevated... Over, over God. People are too big in your life. So your problem's not that you got criticized. The problem is you've got, you've got man way too elevated. This one, this one always hits home. Um, long day, whether you stay at home, whether you work out, outside the home, you just want to relax at the end of the day. You just want to chill out. You want to watch a program. You want to read. And you've, got, and you've got three kids. Let's just say three kids. You've got three kids running around. And, and um, they're supposed to be in bed, but they're not. And they're loud and they're obnoxious. And you snap. I mean, you, you get angry. The problem is not the kids. Okay? The problem is that we trust so deeply and we crave so deeply the comfort that we get from sitting down and watching a TV program. And, and what it looks like is the kids come in and they take your idol of comfort and they stick a pin in it. 
And that fires you up. That angers you. So the problem is not your kids. The problem is you've got a heart issue under there. You, you, you desire that comfort. And so when you sin in your anger, you're sinning because someone messed with your comfort. And that ain't right. All right? Um, my example is D, uh, uh, I coached baseball for 11 years. And um, in the spring of 2010, God, God started moving me out of coaching. And um, so we get out of coaching. And I got into, um, for, for, for a short time, got into um, commercial insurance, a former player and his dad had had a company going, and so we were we we were we were in a big transition period, and it was commission only. And for those of you that aren't aware, uh, commission only means if you don't sell something, money does not come in. Um, and so we're on commission only. Our 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 income was cut by over half, and and my wife and I panicked. We we were, we were sinfully anxious. We had sinful worry. And the problem was not that we didn't have money coming in. The problem was we didn't, we didn't trust that God would maneuver us through this and that he would provide. The money was just an occasion to show a, a deeper heart issue. And this is what Jesus is talking about. You guys live on the surface. You, Fer- you Pharisees are all about the surface. And there's something deeper underneath. There's a heart issue that we need to address. So let's look at three things that a pharisaical heart will produce in us. Okay? First thing, distance from God, or it keeps us from God. So, so if, you're, if you're in here and you're, you're not a believer, you, you've never trusted in Jesus, you're not pursuing after him, this pharisaical heart will always produce in you, you it'll just, you'll, you'll have it so cemented in, in your mind that you don't need a savior. Because you do this, 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 and this. So, so I don't need a savior. I, I'm a good person. I treat people right. Um, you might even go to church a lot. I, um, I don't do any of the big sins. I recycle and take care of the earth. I mean, I do all these, all these things. So I don't, I don't need a savior. I'm earning my own way. And that's self-righteousness at its core. That you can be your own savior. And for the Christian in here... What this produces, a pharisaical heart produces just a lack of repentance. It produces a lack of repentance. Um, because again, everything's on the surface. Everything's how you're doing. Every, 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 there's no heart. You never look under the, the hood of your heart to see really how filthy it is. And so in, in, in my life, it played out like this. I, I went through a long season. If I wasn't dipping, cussing, or lusting, I'm good. I don't need a savior. I'm fine. Right? And then, and then one day... God showed me under the hood of my heart and, and repulsed me. Second thing that it does, that it produces in us, is pride or despair. I want to read Luke 18, verses 9 through 12. should be on the screen. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One of Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Talk about pride, right? This guy's nailing it. This, this Pharisee's big time. I mean, he, he fasts twice a week and gives tithes of all that he gets. So when our focus is on a to-do list, when our focus is on, I got to do these things to earn 
and we're doing well. We're doing good at those. We're like nailing it. We're being really obedient. We're, we're going to have just a tremendous amount of pride stir up in us, right? When you're nailing it, pride stirs up. So if you're nailing your spiritual disciplines, you're, I mean, you're, you're, you're on point. Memorization, you're, you're spending time praying, you're getting in God's word daily. And you're in, in, in home, if you have a pharisaical type heart, a pharisaical mindset, you're going to be in home group and someone shares it. Man, I haven't been in the word in a month. And you're going to, just pride just going to well up in you. Or the reverse is going to be, you're going to, you're going to have despair when you're not obeying well. So, so you haven't had a, a, a quiet time in, in three weeks. There's this despair. There's this, I don't measure up. And in both situations, the thing that's missing is Jesus. We are so consumed with um, our performance and how we're doing and how the checklist is going that we forget to focus on and look at the performance of Jesus for us on the cross. We're so consumed with self, we become prideful. There's the pride of I'm doing great and there's the pride of I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm horrible. And, and so when we think about performance and we leave Jesus out, it's all about our performance and not his performance. Here's, here's, what, here's what happens. If we're not doing well, if we think about our performance, our, self, our identity and self-worth is based on that performance. So if we're not doing well in performing, we go into some despair. But the other thing we do is we put up a little front because our self-worth depends on how we're doing. And if we're not doing well, that means our self-worth is in shatters. And what we do then is we put up this front like things are fine. No, we're, I'm good. Because you could never admit that things aren't good because it all depends on you. It's just this weird, goofy cycle we get into. Okay, number three here. Um, things that, that a fair cycle heart produces is judgment. Very judgmental, very critical. Um, we all have our things. We all have our things. My, one of my things is parenting. And, and when I say my thing... This is, it's really, really important. About 10 years ago when my son was born, it just, I just felt a deep, a deep pressing from the Lord that you raise these kids right. You lead them. You do everything you can to point your kids to Jesus. And this is important to me. But here's what I do. I take, I take a good thing. I'm like, this is good. We need to lead our kids well. And I step over the line to where it's a prideful thing. Like my identity is kind of wrapped up in it, right? This is, this is my thing. I get some identity. This is really important, right? And so this, this is how this judgment and, and critical nature plays out when it's your thing, okay? So I'm in a, in a restaurant and sitting there with my family of five and over there is another family of five. And um, my family's sitting quietly eating. They haven't eaten in, eaten in 12 hours, but they're sitting and eating quietly. And I look over there and there's the family and they are going quietly crazy. I'm not talking like once in a while, get loud, then they get calmed down, then they get loud. I'm talking nonstop loud, nonstop run around. It is, they're, they're crazy. It's like buck wild in the restaurant. And again, my, my family's doing well and my thing is parenting. So I look at my family and I see them doing well. So pride starts to, to, to stir up, right? Like, ah, I'm doing a pretty good job raising these kids. And next, when I see someone that doesn't measure up to me, I look over and see that family that's not measuring up in immediate criticism. So this is my thoughts. I won't say it, but this is my thoughts. What a clown. Figure it out, dude. Get your family in control. Is he kidding? Right? 
And it's kind of humorous now, but that's, that's just a gross sin. That's just a gross sin that I have, that I become, judgment, that, that I become judgmental because it's, because it's my thing. Because I'm in this mindset of whatever my thing is, I do well. I've got to do well. I've got to perform. Right? So what, so what is your thing? Uh, on, on, on the screen should be some dif- different ideas. I've, I've asked different people, different things that stir up in you when it's your thing. Like, this is my thing. If we cross the threshold of from being a good thing to being a thing that we, we hold on to too tightly, like our identity is wrapped up in that, we, you are almost sure to have pride or despair. And then beyond that, you're probably almost, if you're nailing it, you're going to have judgment. You're going to be really, really critical. All right, three things of how we got here. So we see the Pharisees, we see us and them. We see that we can have the same mindset. We see we can have the same attitudes and actions. We've seen what it produces. Now let's take a look at how, how did we get here? What went wrong? Okay, the first thing is we have a wrong view of doctrine or we have a wrong view of the Bible. We see the Bible as, as, as primarily a, a rule book. So when you read scripture, you see do's and don'ts. And so just intuitively, we just start thinking in the, in, in, in the, in the mindset of do's and don'ts. And the Bible's not primarily about do's and don'ts. Listen to what Tim Keller says. The Bible's purpose is not so much to show you how to live a good life. The Bible's purpose is to show you how God's grace breaks into your life against your will and saves you from the sin and brokenness otherwise brokenness otherwise you would never be able to overcome religion is if you obey then you will be accepted but the gospel is if you are absolutely accepted and sure you're accepted only then will you ever begin to obey those are two utterly different things every page of the bible shows the difference so start reading your bible not as a to-do list but as a what jesus has done for us list that we'd start looking in the pages of scripture and just see and be amazed at what Christ has done for us. Number two, what we got here, wrong view of grace. We just, we, we have a wrong view or a too small view of grace. Grace is unconditional acceptance granted to an undeserving person by an unobligated giver. And so we, we, we really need to see that everything you have is everything you have and everything that you are is from God. Salvation is from the Lord. You're, if you're in here and you're saved, it's not because you grew up in a Christian family. It's not because you're, you're pretty talented. You're saved by grace through faith. And it ain't, you, you didn't do it. Right? And then if we, we, if we bring it down a level, if we bring it down a level that, that, that grace is throughout, we have common grace throughout our day. So, so when you're driving to Dallas... When you're driving and you come to a stop sign and you see a, uh, a homeless man with a sign, that you don't sit there and be like, dude, figure it out. Get, get, stop being lazy and go get a job, right? What you need to recognize is the fact that you have money in your pocket, clothes on, your, on yourself, a car to drive and a job to drive to is God's grace. So off yourself, right? We, we minimize grace. We, 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 we just, and when you minimize grace, you maximize us, right? We just lose sight that everything we have is from the Lord. 
And so we become judgmental. We become critical. We start patting ourselves on the back. And lastly, we have a wrong view of ourselves. A pharisaical heart generally sees themselves as pretty good. We see ourselves as pretty good, right? And the Bible is really, really clear that we're not basically good. We are basically bad. Bible's clear on that. Psalm 51.5 says that, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Jeremiah Jeremiah 17.9 says this, The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately sick. Who can understand it? So we're not basically good. We're basically bad. And, and again, so if you're in here and, and, and you, don't, you don't know Jesus, you're not a believer. The one thing that you need to see before we move on is that you are desperately sick. That you need a Savior. So, so God is clear on that the penalty of, of death, the penalty of sin is death. He's really clear that if you sin, you die. And the good news of the gospel is you don't get the death penalty. Jesus got the death penalty for you. And so if we never see that, that, that we have deep, dark sin, if we never see that, we'll never see how big the cross is because we'll never truly understand what Jesus did for us if we don't see our sin. So if you're in here and you don't know Jesus I, I, I plead with you to, to, to take a look and, and analyze. Do you do even good things with bad motives? That you would see that we are in desperate, desperate need of a Savior because we have desperate, dark, deep sin. And for the Christian, um, our, like I said, our default mode is, is, our default mode is when we take the hands off the steering wheel, we, we veer in to do, to, to do to-do list. We just, it's, it's about our accomplishments, our earning. We can even come into this kingdom and, and recognize that it was, by, it was by grace. We did nothing. But almost immediately after you enter into that, we, we have this mindset of start doing. We got to earn. And can I remind you, it's been earned for you. You can't earn it. I, I love the illustration of, of the orphan. Um, little orphan child gets adopted by a family. The family brings him, brings him home on, on the first day. And uh, it's almost dinner time. And so the, the father says to the, to the uh, adopted orphan, why don't you go wash up and we're going to have dinner. So a couple minutes go by and they don't, they don't see the child. And, and the, the, the father peeks out and sees out in the front yard and, uh, at the corner and the orphan has a sign up that he needs food. And so the, so the father um, walks out and says, hey, we'll, we'll, we got food in here. Come on in. You're, come on in. We got food in here. So, so they walk in, the orphans behind them, and um, they get in the house, kind of get, get ready to, to sit down. And, and the father looks in the other room, and here's the orphan cleaning, just sweeping up, cleaning. And the father says, you don't have to work for this food. This food's free. Just come on in. And later that night, it's time for, uh, time for bed. And um, the, the father says, hey, go get ready for bed. Here's your room. Here, here's a nice, comfortable bed. Go, go and get, get ready. And, and a couple minutes pass, and they go look for the child. And he's out back laying on the grass with a, with a uh, pillow uh, made of leaves. And the father goes out to him and says, hey, 
you're, you're in our family now. We, we've adopted you. Stop working. Come rest. You, you see this? You see that house? The bed? The food? It's yours. And so I, I charge you in here that you, would, that you would come to the cross and rest. Right? That you can come to the cross and rest. Unbeliever or believer, come to the cross and know that Christ paid it for you and you can stop working. Let's pray. So that, that's, that's my charge this morning. It's, it's, it sounds real easy, but can be, it, can be, it can be hard to do. That you would come to the cross. That, that you would recognize that there's nothing you can do to earn the favor of God. There's nothing you could do that God would love you more because Christ did everything for you on the cross. And so stop working. Stop, stop putting on this front. Stop grinding it out to earn something that Christ has earned for you. We will have uh, home group leaders on the, on the side if you, if you need someone to pray with. To maybe walk you through some junk. Maybe, 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 maybe you've never come to the cross ever, and this is the first time. I would, I would encourage you to not walk out of here and, until you respond. Until you respond, that what the road you're on of working super hard will always ends with you being exhausted, and that you would that you would come to the cross and rest. So, Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for grace. And we thank you for the cross. And I pray that we would all see the cross more clearly, that we would get off ourselves and focus on Jesus. That out of a great focus on Jesus that we would obey you but not out of a heart that says I've got to do this to earn but but out of a heart that says it's been done for me so Father show us this real clearly this morning it's in your good name we pray Amen Thank you for listening to this message from Stonegate Church, located in Midlothian, Texas. For service times, additional audio and study resources, as well as information about our church, please visit us at stonegate-church.com.